Wow. Elevation. Um, wow. <laughs> um, it's good to see all your faces today. Uh, we have a, a special guest that has come a long way to speak to everybody here today. Um, I'm extremely excited to have him here. I um, hope you guys enjoy what he has to say. I'm pretty sure you will. Um, but he's all the way here from Ireland, and he's in the States right now doing a speaking tour of different events. His name is uh, Jonathan Dunn, and he has a show on the Blaze Radio Network um, called Freedom's Disciples. So if you guys get a chance, check that out. But it's my honor and my pleasure to introduce him to you now, Mr. Jonathan Dunn. Everybody give him a warm elevation welcome. everyone thank you so much for to everyone for organizing this for allowing y'all to hear an Irishman and what an Irishman has to say <laughs> this is going to be interesting <laughs> I want to talk to you about your wonderful nation but I also want to talk to you about it in the context of the world the simple truth about America is there are two Americas and as I witness today and through the media, through your politicians, through your history teachers, through your communities, so many people have forgotten a second America. You look at the media and the politicians and what they talk to you about, every election will talk to you about America the country. It's always fought over American foreign policy, it's always fought over the economy, it's always fought over jobs, it's always fought over the almighty dollar, over your natural resources. Cast your back, regardless of what party you belong to, it doesn't matter. They all say the same thing. It's always about America, the country. However, we need to understand one thing. America is an exceptional nation, not because you're a country. America is an exceptional nation because you're the only country in the history of the world that has an idea named after it. That idea of America. That idea of faith. That idea of family. And that idea of freedom is quintessentially... American. But so many don't understand the history of the world and why America is critical to it. In scriptures it says, when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, it's because it was founded on rock. We all know what happened to the house that was built on sand. It is this idea that is your foundation. It is this idea of faith, family and freedom that makes you exceptional. I've been blessed to do this speaking tour. I'm going to eight states. And I wanted to really emphasize something to you. I wanted to paint a picture of the history of the world to put into context both America, why it's an exceptional nation, but also the underlying battle that we must identify. And I came up with this picture, two pie charts. Because when you break down the history of the world, forget all the labels, there are two sets of people in this world. In the first group, it goes all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back to the pharaohs in Egypt. The dynasties, kings, queens, empires, dictators, oligarchies, theocracies, Marxists, communists, socialists, progressives, Nazis, fascists, populists, tribalists, nationalists, and democracy all belong in that first pie chart. They all share common things. The second group is a group all by itself. So what are the common things that unite in the first group and are different in the second group? Well, it all starts with life. 
I come from Europe where we are having a debate on whether life is precious. And that debate is being lost. Three stories you might have heard. One, Switzerland. We've lost this debate. You have a right to kill yourself and you have a right to help someone kill themselves. Because life isn't precious. Life is a resource. Two, Charlie Gard in England. doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. You have a right to die with dignity. And the state can tell you that that baby has a right to die. It doesn't matter what the parents think. And the third one is the most tragic. Apparently Iceland has solved Down syndrome. Don't get excited. It isn't some medical breakthrough. It solved a true abortion. In the second group, life is precious. When I read scriptures, I've never read Matthew 2.16 when I read about Herod and how he responded to the betrayal of the three wise men, the three kings, and when he killed every infant under the age of two. I've never read that and been, not been horrified. Yet, that's 2,000 years ago. Yet today, are we really horrified by what's going on in the world? Are we truly horrified at how life has just become a resource, a commodity, and life isn't precious? But the differences in group one to group two go so much further. It's very fundamentally is where rights come from. The first group says right comes from government, whether it's a king, whether it's a congress. The second one says rights come from God. The next one, difference is, is man equal? No. You're judged by a label, where you come from, who your parents are, who your family is, what your job title is, how much money you earn, what part of society and what class are you in. The second group says, no, no, all men are created equal. In the first group, you're not free to pursue your happiness and keep the fruits of your labor. In the second one, you are. But this is where the differences become even more. In the first group, in every election that they have, they say, you, you can't solve the world, you can't fix the world, you need me. Oh, you have an issue? Let me, I'll be your champion. Oh, you need a bill passed? Elect me, I'll do it for you. In group two, you can change the world. The other one is, there are no limits on God, on government. Government can do what it wants, the king can do what it wants. If it gets passed, it gets passed. Second group says, no, there is very much a limit on what government can do. And then the differences become even more clear. In group one, man is the ultimate authority. The second one, God is. The first group is every nation, past, present, or future, in the history of the world. The second group is America. This is the battle. You can sum it up on the surface by saying it's a battle of liberty versus tyranny, or America versus the rest of the world. That's only the surface. The truth is this battle is so much bigger. This battle is man's law on the left versus God's law or nature's law on the right. But it goes even so much deeper. Because in truth, it's the left graph is Satan. It's evil versus good and God. That is the battle we find ourselves in. Factually, not my opinion, America is the only country in the second chart. That by its very definition, whether you agree with what I've said or not, makes you an exceptional nation. The battle that we find ourselves in today is what, whether we want to do good or we want to do the right thing and do well. America's history was never about doing good. To all the married couples, I'd ask you one question. One of my favorite men to ever live is George Washington. Can you imagine a, a scenario where George Washington has just signed up to be the leader of the Continental Army? No one ever thought he had a chance. No one ever thought America had a chance of beating the British. 
Can you imagine when he went home to Martha and went, hey, honey, guess what? I signed up to be the, the leader of the Continental Army today. Do you think she slapped him silly? I bet you she did. But it all, why did he do it? It wasn't to do, you know, be good for himself or to prosper. He already was prospering. He had stature in the society. He had plenty of land. He had plenty of money. He had a lovely wife. He was well respected. He did it because it was the right thing to do. That is the battle we find ourselves in this world today, regardless of whether you believe in what you believe. But as Christians, we find ourselves in even more. Because we have our scriptures to follow. The question today is, do you want to do well and be financially rewarded? Or do you want to do the right thing? American history, where it's true, it's very definition. I wish you'd all take this saying. You all have monikers, land of the free, brave, home of the free. How about this? America making the impossible possible since 1776. But here's the thing. It wasn't done by man. There's a phrase called divine provenance. Every part of your history has been erased. You hear this in the media today. You hear it in your culture. Oh, well, John, the founders weren't really religious. They were deists. I challenge anyone who even thinks that's a remote possibility to read their words to read their calls of prayers, to read Washington's Thanksgiving address, to read everything that he did. One of the most famous pictures of Washington is himself in front of a horse down on bended knee praying to God. That is your history. Because here's the thing. The reason the world hates America is because you're the polar opposite to what they are. It's a battle so much bigger than your country. It's a battle versus God's law versus man's law. The sad truth about this world is we only know man's law. That is why America is critical. You need to prosper, but not prosper financially, not prosper economically, not prosper job-wise. You need to prosper in your faith. I always say America is at its best when you're the Statue of Liberty for two reasons. One, your innovation. You've got a load of pieces of metal in a box with some instructions, some assembly required. And the instructions were in French. Oh, oui, oui, whoa, oui, oui, oui. What do I do? I don't speak French. What do I do? You didn't give up. You built it. But the second time when you're best, it's a Christian message. It's a godly message. When you look at that Statue of Liberty, where you're holding your principles, where you're holding God's law so firm, and you're unbreakable, you are not moving, you're standing steady. But when you're at your best, you're the beacon of the light for the world. Because you're not sharing an American message. You're sharing a message of God's law, nature's law. But you're not saying, oh, you suck. Oh, you're so bad. You follow man's law. No. You're holding that light saying, come follow me. Because the idea of America does not belong exclusively to America. Your founding fathers, when they were writing the Declaration of Independence, they'd say, hey, all Americans are created equal. And all Americans have certain rights from God. No, they said all men are created equal. And everyone has certain rights from God. That is your history. And it is a history that we need to protect, whether you're an American or an Irishman or any other Christian around the world. But we also need to share. I'd like to ask you some questions today. The first one is, who and what are you loyal to? Today, everyone loves to talk about loyalty. You have to be loyal to a politician. You have to be loyal to a political party. You can't dare vote the wrong way. You have to be loyal to your government. You have to be loyal to the Constitution. You have to be loyal to your families, your friends. 
You have to be loyal to your religion. You have to be loyal to your community. Some even have to be loyal to your race, to your gender, to your sexuality. Everyone demands loyalty. Yet, how many times do we hear, you should be loyal to God? How many times do we actually hear this? You must be loyal to God and what God stood for. How many times do we hear that? But here's the fundamental truth we face as Christians. We're not called by God or Jesus to be loyal to a religion. I come from a country, Ireland, which is predominantly Catholic. I have a lot of Catholic friends. I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Christian because I'm a Christian first. But I struggle when I see so many people because you've been invaded in your culture by hating on other religions. Oh, you're not Christian enough. Oh, you're not a real Christian. This troubles me because I come from a country where there is Catholics and there's Protestants. Catholics and Protestants agree on three very fundamental things. God, God's gift to earth and scriptures, and Jesus Christ is your savior. Yet they hate each other. They have some minor disagreements with how they view Mary, if they believe communion is actually, or when they get the body and blood of Jesus Christ, if they actually believe it's a, actually Jesus Christ they're eating, or a vision of Jesus Christ. Yet they're united on three core things, yet they hate each other. The reason for this is history. Because simply put, God has been made political. In Ireland, if you're a Catholic, the chances are you're pro-32 counties and independence from Britain. If you're a Protestant, you're pro-union. You want back into Britain. I'm here to tell you, God is not political. If you're trying to put God into your political message, you're doing it wrong. God is above politics. We are called to be one body. One body of the church under Jesus Christ. There isn't a body where, well, I'm the arm and I'm the Catholic. And I'm the leg and I'm the Protestant. Oh, and there's my foot. That's the Baptists. Oh, and there's my other foot. There's the Southern Baptists. God didn't call that. If he did, wow. He's unbelievable. But we're called to be one body. We can understand what religion's role is in our life. Religion's role is not to be our savior. Religion's role is to be our vessel to Jesus Christ. If you get there because you're a Catholic, I'm wonderful for you. I'm delighted. Have fun. If you're a Baptist, if you're a Christian, if you're an evangelical, I don't care what the label is. But you have to understand one thing. The aim is not to get through that religion to get to eternity. The aim of that religion is to get you to God and to Jesus Christ, your Savior. But it goes so much further. Back to loyalty. One of the people always asks me, well, John, you're Irish and you grew up a Catholic. Why are you not a Catholic? Because we are teaching man's law and Catholicism. I get told all the time, and I get very angry from some of my family members and some of my friends, I dare criticize this Pope. <gasps> you criticize the Pope? You can't do that. Yeah, I can. He's a man. He's fallible. But he's the Holy Father. Uh-huh. You keep telling yourself that. The only Holy Father I have is God and Jesus Christ. We need to teach this, not in a demeaning way, not saying you're wrong, but we need to show them the truth. Because the truth shall set you free. So I'd ask you today to think, who are you loyal to? Who do you want to be loyal to? As your great pastor said, 
What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to pass on to your, your kids and your grandkids? Do you want to teach them, well, we're Catholics and that's the way it is and that's wonderful. Catholics have done many great things in America. The Catholics are leaders on the pro-life movement. I can't tell you how many times I've seen and heard about Catholics doing rosaries outside of abortion clinics. They're leaders on pro-life movement. I'm not here to demean Catholics. Catholics. Some great Catholics out there. But we need to teach the truth. Who do you want to be loyal to? What do you want to be remembered for? But it goes so much deeper than that. Because today in society, we're taught everything that is the opposite of what God teaches us. We're taught, what are we called to do as Christians? What are we called to do as Christians? Are we called to, to convert you? Hey, become a Catholic. I'm a Catholic, become a Catholic. Hey, become a Baptist, I'm a Baptist. Are we called to teach the good news? The end of Mark, 16, uh, verse 16, chapter 20. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked at them and confirmed the message by their accompanying signs. They preached the message of Jesus Christ. We don't need man's interpretation. We have it. It's a gift from God. It's your scriptures. We are called to teach the good news. That is what we are to do. Show them that message. But today, with society and social media, when I see so many Christians trying to convert them, I see when people reject them, they get angry, they get bitter. They go, you can't reject me. Jesus Christ is your Savior. You have to wake up. You, you must listen to me. How are we called from scriptures to act? Matthew 10, 14. And if anyone who will receive, not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you, have, when you leave that house or town. That is what we are called to do. We are called to share that good news. But understand that this is the history of the world, that pie chart. We are not going to change people overnight. You're not going to have people who have lived under man's law for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, and all of a sudden in 5 minutes of a conversation with you, get them to Jesus. It doesn't happen. It's a slow, constant message. But also we need to understand, any role we play in bringing people to Jesus is very small, if any at all. The person who brings Jesus to Jesus is the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself. We can only be a vessel to shine that light to say, hey, like America, there is another option. It's Jesus. It's not follow me. It's not follow pastors. It's not follow religion. It's follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate authority. I see so many people down on America today. So many people go, well, the poor youth, they're going to have it so tough. They're not going to have the opportunities that I had. And I see so many people down. The battle of the world can be summed up in one question. And it's one very hard question you have to answer. And I'd implore you to think about this. And don't just say, the good reaction will be to answer this straight away. But honestly think about your actions and your words and your thoughts. Is there a limit to God's power? Is there a limit to what God can do? The being, the God, whichever he is in your mind, who created the heavens and the earth, who created all the animals, who created land and sea and air, who created this wonderful planet that we inhabit. Is there a limit that he cannot do? Because so many people go, well, there's no hope for the future. America's done, I get told all the time. People love quoting Plato to me because apparently Plato said the average life of a republic is 200 years. People say America's on the downhill slide. Christians say this to me all the time. The Christian body is just dying. Catholicism is dying in Ireland. If you believe this, what you're saying is, hey, God, 
Yes, you created the earth, and yes, you created all this, and we've lasted all this long, but there's certain things you can't do. Do you believe that? Because I'm here to tell you there is no limit to God's power. But even further than that, there is no limit to his love. If you read Exodus, when God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and you read the exact language, it says they called out to someone from the wilderness. They didn't say they called out to God. They said they called out to someone, and God answered. He could have said, no, you have to call out to me. And he said, no, I'm going to help you. There is no limit to his love. He does, he's never there. No matter how many sins you have, there's no point God goes, whew, buddy, sorry, you're, I can't even help you. God doesn't do that. I, he might want to do it at times, but he doesn't. Because here's the thing. Look around the society today. We're all so angry. Oh, you betrayed me. You're not loyal to me. Can you imagine what it must be like to be God? I've thought about this, and I go, oh my God, how hard must it be? How hard must it be to have so many people, everyone on this earth is a sinner and a flawed person, and yet he still loves us. No matter how much time we get in the way of, well, I could check my Bible or I could read social media. I'll go with social media. Oh, did you see? Oh, there's a hashtag trending. Oh, I got to get me some of that. I want to retweet that. That's awesome. How many people have been, I know I've done this. I'm guilty as sin as this. I'm just so tired. If I read, I'll read like two lines and fall asleep. And the one thing, I'm a nightmare because I, I, I'm a thinker. So I, I can't read anything without thinking. I, I, I'm a nightmare reading a book. It takes me like years to read a book because I'll go, oh, that's a great thing. I should talk about that sometime. I can't switch my brain off. It's the same in scriptures. And I go, oh, it's just too much work. How many times do we have that? I have that all the time. God still loves you. It's amazing. How he takes all this rejection. He's a glutton for punishment. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'd much rather have a date night with my partner. Oh, I'd much rather spend time with my kids. Or, oh, I'd much rather be on social media. Or I have to do my work. And God's still there going, whenever you're ready, I'm here. You ready yet? You ready yet? To me, he's like, I believe this is what he said to me. You ready, dummy? You ready, dummy? I'm here. Come on. Come on. That is literally what he said to me. I felt it. I want to finish up by sharing a personal story with you. Why I'm doing this to you. Because I believe... There is a key story in this and a moral I've learned. I've always, I've been very fortunate to travel to America. I, I can never find the exact year and the age I was, but I traveled in the late 80s, early 90s. I was about seven or eight to America, to Florida. I have a lot of American family, and ever since then I've loved your country. I only ever had one dream in life. I've always wanted to be in America. This year has been a roller coaster. This year in February I signed a letter of contract and an offer letter of a job to move to America. I finally got an employer to say, hey, he's not too bad, let's give him a job. And I was like, yes, my dreams have been answered. Thank you, Lord, that's all I've ever wanted. Don't want to be rich, don't want to be famous. I want to help the country I love more because I understand its meaning in the world. And went through the legal process, had all the questions, where your family is, where your background is, what your work experience is, what I had for breakfast for the last six months. A lot of questions. And sadly, I got bad news. There's no visa I can apply for. No visa whatsoever. Because I don't hit work requirements, I don't hit educational requirements. My American dream is dead. And I went quiet for a while. I haven't done my show in the blaze for three, four months now because I was angry. I was like, God, God, I only ever had one dream. I want to serve. I, want to, I understand the role of America in the world. I can help. Just let me get there. 
But here's the thing. I didn't get it. So how should I respond? Should I respond in anger? Might be easy. Be tempting. Lash out at God. Should I be angry at America? No. Might be tempting. The lesson I learned is this. Because I had a very heart-to-heart conversation with myself and I went, do you believe everything you talk about and you write about and you public speak about and America's role in the world? Yeah. So how do you think the conversation with God is going to go if, well, you know what, God, I really wanted to serve you, but you kicked me in the gut and said no to me, so I just gave up. Do you think that conversation would end well when I got to the pearly gates of heaven? Because here's the thing, what so many people have forgotten about the great news of Jesus Christ is we're not promised an easy life. We're not promised a life where, oh, you just follow this and it's easy. Just follow this path and everything's going to be wonderful. It's a rosy, wonderful world you live in. No, we're called to follow him, even when it's hard. Because here's the thing. As I just spoke about, about God always been there, trust me, no matter how hard you have it in life, you don't put up with a fraction of what God puts up from you. But God loves us. We're called to serve. We're called to share the good news through our words, but through our deeds and through our actions. That is what we are called to do. So I said, what can I do? I thought about it, and I've decided to come over here, share this message about America's role in the world, why you're really an exceptional nation. But also, we have to raise awareness of two charities that I'm really passionate about, and I just ask you to think about these charities, pray for these charities, because they're wonderful charities. One is a charity very close to my heart. It's Mercury One's Nazarene Fund. And actually, just to think about something. We're all here to worship. You're all probably going to go for dinner, spend time with your kids and your family. Everything's wonderful. You're really happy. You've heard a crazy Irish guy talk. And you go home. And on your building, everything's wonderful. You've had a great day. You're about to watch football. And that is on your door. That symbol. It's on your wall. It's painted. That's Arabic for N. That means you're a Nazarene. That means you're a Christian. That means you're a follower of Jesus Christ. In the Middle East right now, if that's on your building, you have three choices. Convert, pay a tax, or die. You've all been talking about Hitler and Nazism a lot lately and how horrific Hitler was. Hitler was a really bad guy. But all he really did was throw people in an oven. I don't know if you've been watching the videos of ISIS in the Middle East who are Christian brothers and sisters. They find new ways to kill you. They drown you in a cage. They kill you. They behead you. They shoot you. They tie explosives to your neck and send them off. So you, your head literally falls off. Our call is not to say it's someone else's responsibility. When Jesus was performing the miracle that you all know about, the five loaves and two fishes, there's a key message before that, and there's a key word in that, where disciples come to Jesus and go, Jesus, it's getting late. Let, we're far from the town. Let everyone go. There's such a big crowd. Let them go and let them get food. Jesus didn't say, yeah, let them go and have food. He said, no, you feed them. If we want to be Christians and we want to truly believe in the power of Jesus Christ and God, we have a responsibility to share the message, but also for us to do. In the Middle East, the charity, Nazarene Fund, has given humanitarian aid to 8,200 people and has evacuated over 5,400. Their website, if you can donate, it would be great. If you can just share it or if you can just keep them in your prayers, there's a lot of things happening in a couple of weeks. It's nazarenefund.org. However, the second one is even more troubling. You're all talking about slavery right now and how horrific slavery was. 
how bad the American people are. Well, right now, there are over 2 million kids who are sex slaves, who are raped over 10 times a night. There's a charity called OUR Rescue, Operation Underground Railroad. Their website is OURrescue.org. They have rescued 693 survivors. What these men and women do is they go and they act like they're interested in buying a kid to do certain things to them. And they coordinate with the local police and the local governments. And when the money transfers hand, everyone gets arrested. That's an impossible job. However, it gets even harder because that's when their own job only starts. I've had the honor of interviewing Tim many times. And he told me the story of a Haitian boy, four years old, five years old, I think. And he rescued them. And then they found out his backstory. He was sold by his own mother. What do you do with that kid? Do you give him back to the mother to sell again? This is the battle we find ourselves in. We're not called as Christians for someone else to step up. It is Christian's job to step up. It is Christian's job to act. I'd ask you to keep them in your prayers and your thoughts. And if you can, donate. I want to finish off with two last things. I want to finish off with a parable I share all the time. Because to me, the life of a Christian is like throwing a rock in the water. Throwing the rock in the water. That's our job. Because today, society wants to go, I'll throw the rock in the water, but what I want to do is I want to see the ripple it creates. I want to take a selfie of it. I want to go, hey, this is me. I'm great. Look at that. See that ripple? I did that. I'm great. Look, look, look. Me. I'm wonderful. That's what society wants to do. However, if you understand the laws of physics, you understand that's not how the stone works. Our job as Christians, if you want to look at it from a legacy point of view, is to throw the rock in the water and then follow, be the rock. We just continue on our path down to the bottom of the bed. But the ripple keeps on going. We need to make a positive, positive ripple. That is, what our, that is what we are called to do as Christians. We're not here to take praise. We're not here going, hey, look at me, I'm wonderful. We're to continue on our journey and keep creating ripples. And that ripple will create another ripple and create another ripple and create another ripple. But it's not about us, it's about God. That's what we're called to do. And the last thing I would love to finish up with is a quote from George Washington. Because apparently he was a deist and an atheist. America's difference is, can be summed up in this quote. Your job today. Let us raise to a standard the wise and the honest can repair. And the rest is in the hands of God. That is the fundamental difference between America and the rest of the world. You can't do everything. If you think you can, I'm here to tell you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Man is flawed. Man is sinful. But if you work with man and you set to that standard and you act with honor and you do the right thing, not because you want to have a better future, but you want to do it because it's morally right, and you pray and you ask God to help you, together, that is what happened when America was founded and to this day has succeeded. America is great because Americans are good. I share that sentiment. Because when I think of England, I think of a queen. When I think of Iran, I think of the Ayatollah. When I think of North Korea, I think of King Jong-un. When I think of America, I think of the American people. You can be, you had a choice two weeks ago. What people do you want to be? Do you want to be the people that's angry and bitter and hateful and tear down a statue? Or do you want to be the people in Houston who, I don't care who you voted for. I don't care how you voted. I don't care your race. I don't care your creed. Heck, I don't even care whether you're a Christian or not. I'm going to help you. That is the real America. And it is the America I love. It is the America you were called to be. Because I believe, reading your history, you have a destiny of goodness and goodwill. 
It's in your past. The question is, will you continue that destiny? I pray and I join you that you will. Because when you are great, it's not because of Congress or politicians or presidency. It's because of your people. It's because of Christians. It's because of Jews. It's because of atheists. It's because you're good. And as Christians, we are called to share the good news and live lives that are worthy of our Father's love. That is what we are called to do. Thank you so much. And I hope I've given you something to think about. We're going to worship in response. Uh, Jonathan, just to kind of put you on the spot, would, yes, you, mind, um, would you mind praying for us as a, body, as a church body, but also as an American nation? Um, God was speaking through this man, someone who is not a citizen of our country, speaking with more passion, more knowledge and experience and education than most Americans. And uh, I think we need to listen up, not, not just Ameri as Americans, but as followers of Christ. You don't need a visa, brother, to be a follower of Christ. You are in our body. We are brothers. Uh, you have brothers and sisters right here. And we're all going to be worshiping the same God together. Um, he's going to be around. Jonathan's going to be around. And uh, we were going to do a question and answer, but uh, we'd rather save it for afterwards. And he'll be out in the lobby. Please pick his brain and make it worth his time coming all the way here. Uh, let him know you love him and uh, uh, utilize his gift of his knowledge and his passion for America. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I ask you to bless this church. I ask you to bless this wonderful people. Father, help them on this journey. They're hurting, but they love you. They worshipped you. The, the love that I felt in this worship this morning, it's a good church. Help them, guide them on, on their way. I ask you to send the Holy Spirit down on them to convert their language, to convert their words so that they may live lives of good honors, good deeds, to share your message. Heavenly Father, at some point they will fall. We're sinners. We all will fall. I ask you, when they fall, be there with them. Show them your love. And show them the love that I know you have for all of us. Show them that they can get up. That doesn't matter how many times you stumble and you fall. All that matters is how many times you get up and that you're always with them. Heavenly Father, I ask you to pray. I ask you to show your love for the folks in, in Florida, in Houston, in Louisiana, in Mexico. Everyone who's hurting because we are one body. And lastly, Father, I ask you to touch all their hearts. And remove all the, the man's law and what man says. And focus solely on what you say. Because when we follow you, we are a wonderful people. And we can change the world. Help us. Because we are nothing without you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.